Well, it's summer, it's Silverstone, and it is the British Grand Prix. This time it has a twist, and we'll get to that coming up in the podcast. It is the Overtake F1 podcast, and we'll take a preview of the race on Sunday and give you our five things to watch out for. Also take a more in-depth look at sprint qualifying. First time Formula One will be using this format to determine the grid for Sunday's race, and boy, there's a lot to dissect there. First, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star rating if you like what we do. It helps us grow the podcast. Also, also, you can find us on Facebook at the Overtake F1 Podcast. And if you'd like to email the show, the Overtake F1 Podcast at gmail.com. This is round 10 of the World Championship, and it is all Red Bull racing at the moment. Max Verstappen has won five races this season. He has won four of the last five, and the last three all in the triple header. This race, though, featuring it for the first time, sprint qualifying on Saturday. So there'll be a 100 kilometer race that will determine the grid for Sunday. We're going to get into more detail on that later in the show so obviously that is the one thing that we're going to watch for this weekend but there are others so let's get right to it number five mercedes upgrades and the rumors around the team right it's obvious that the silver arrows are struggling right now lewis hamilton has not won since the spanish grand prix in barcelona in may which probably feels like 10 years ago to him the team expects some upgrades for silverstone although there was some confusion over the past few weeks if there would be any Toto wolf said no james allison came out and said yes but we do know that they will have some. And what Wolf was referring to when he was saying uh, was more card development, but Allison did confirm that upgrades are coming. Now, the last two races at Austria were runaway wins for Verstappen, but the two teams were close at Paul Ricard. Remember, Verstappen won with a two-stop strategy. So there's no question that Red Bull is dialed in right now, but all is not lost for Mercedes. Now, if you go back to Monaco, where this drought began, there's been a combination of pace, some strategy, just bad circumstances that has led to problems. It's just that Austria kind of really showed the dominance of Verstappen. And if the upgrades give Mercedes better performance on the track than Hamilton, this is a track he's dominated on. It's very possible that they could return to top of the podium. However, there is this situation with Valtteri Bottas we've got to get into and his future with the team. Now, there was a rumor that George Russell was going to be announced as the second driver for Mercedes in 2022 this weekend. And Russell came out and denied this. So there will be no announcement coming at Silverstone. Yet the story just doesn't seem to want to go away. Most of us figure Botas is likely out next season, but there still could be an announcement. Heck, it might even happen by the time you're hearing this podcast. Prominent media figures are sticking by this story. And having been in the media myself, a lot of times we hear denials, but in the end, those denials prove to be false and announcement is coming. We hear it all the time in sports where a coach could be fired. They say an announcement could be coming at the end of the week. And the team goes, no, 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 we're not, we're not firing the coach. No, no, no. By the end of the week, boom, here comes the announcement that the coach is fired. There's a lot of spin early as everybody kind of gets their ducks in a row on how they want to do it. So you get denial, 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 but then in the end, you could get the announcement. Russell could also be right, and there could be no announcement at all, but I wouldn't just dismiss this entirely. There, there's some real legs to this story. Hamilton, he's locked in for another two years. Russell, however, he's 23. He can't be at Williams any longer. Botas is currently fifth in the driver's standings. He's coming off a great run at the Austrian Grand Prix where he finished second. Remember, he had the stronger car because Lewis Hamilton's car suffered some damage and lost some pace, and he finished second on the podium, held off Lando Norris, who was running third, despite a five-second penalty. So whether the announcement for Russell is coming this weekend, later this year, whenever, this story does have legs, as mentioned before, and will continue to be around this team until it's addressed with an announcement of some kind. All right, number four, 
Can Lando Norris win this race? All right, hear me out because I know some of you are like, what? Hear me out. Do I think he'll win if Mercedes finds pace and Red Bull is on point for the British Grand Prix? No, I don't. I've said before that when the top teams have both drivers running well, the best of the rest position for Lando is fifth, right? When you have two Mercedes that are running strong and two Red Bulls that are running strong, fifth is the best a McLaren's going to do. However, look at Austria. He's coming off a really good run. He should have finished second in that race if it wasn't for the five-second penalty. I mean, he was coming after Valtteri Bottas hard at the end at the Red Bull ring. McLaren is showing that they've got pace. He fought Max for pole position. He picked up his third podium of the season. Silverstone, however, is a very different circuit, and the team has repeatedly said that it'll keep hopes realistic for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Norris has finished in the points in all nine races this season. You keep hearing that every week, and you should keep hearing that every week. It's quite an accomplishment. Um, Unfortunately, though, he was recently mugged at Wembley Stadium attending the soccer finals on Sunday where his watch was stolen. He is a 50 to 1 odd to win the British Grand Prix. It's a very big long shot, but don't necessarily count him out. If there's some trouble up front with tires or a mechanical issue, McLaren has shown they've got some pace. Maybe, just maybe, he can pull this off. Not saying it'll happen, just saying watch for it. Number three on my list of things to watch for for the British Grand Prix on Sunday is the atmosphere. What makes the British Grand Prix so amazing is the crowd. It's passionate, supportive of all the teams. There's 140,000 are expected to attend. Now, we saw how the Dutch fans were amazing in Austria last week, rooting for Max Verstappen. Now we're coming back to situations where in some circuits, for some races, we can get the crowds back. Silverstone has an amazing atmosphere. The crowds, when they're in attendance, really add life to the to the Grand Prix. Last year, the series ran two races there, if you remember, the British Grand Prix and then the 70th anniversary race. And they were both run in front of empty grandstands. And that stunk. I know we understood why, but it stunk. Especially in the British Grand Prix when Hamilton won on a flat tire. Remember, he was flying around and he got the flat tire and he was holding off Max Verstappen and he won the race. But Nobody was around. The same celebratory nature that is around that, especially when a British driver wins, was missing. And now it's coming back, and I'm very happy for it. And it also continues to be a great month for sporting events in the UK. You had Wimbledon, the Euro Championships, albeit a loss for the English team. The British Open is this week at the Royal St. George's. And, of course, you've got the Grand Prix coming up this weekend. All right, number two, Ferrari. Remember a few weeks ago in France how the team suffered due to tire degradation? They qualified well, but both Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz finished outside the points. Then the series goes to Austria for the Styrian Grand Prix. Leclerc makes 11 overtakes to go from 18th after a first lap incident to 7th. Carlos Sainz finished P6 after starting 12th. Both of them loved the pace of the car. A week later, softer tires, they once again finished in the top 10 after using good tire strategy. Neither got out of Q2. They had their choice of tires. They made them work. And they both, again, loved the pace of the car. However, Matteo Bonato has downplayed this. He didn't want to set any unrealistic expectations going forward, but he really has to be happy with what happened in Austria. Now, look, there are going to be tracks that Ferrari should do well at. There's going to be ones that they're not going to do well at. So how are they heading into Silverstone? They're currently 19 points behind McLaren for P3 in the Constructors. That's pretty good given the year that Lando has had. Leclerc has two great finishes at Silverstone last year, a P3 and a P4 in the two races. And that was a very, very bad year for the car. Plus, this week was the anniversary of Ferrari's first win in Formula One back in 1951, and it was at Silverstone. They will reveal a special logo on the halo to commemorate that event for the race. The number one thing I'm looking forward to seeing is bounce backs. 
Daniel Ricardo, Esteban Ocon, Sergio Perez, George Russell. These drivers could use a little bit of boost, and a good day at Silverstone can do that. Let's start with Daniel Ricciardo. He had a tale of two races in Austria. He had a P13 followed by a P7. He had issue in the Styrian Grand Prix with power, but his struggles this season have been well documented. He's not qualifying well in the McLaren, but Silverstone might give him a boost. He had a P4 there last year when he was driving for Renault. Esteban Ocon, however, has had a miserable time since Monaco. Two DNFs, two P14s. This after he scored points in four straight races after Bahrain. I remember at that time, there was all this talk about Esteban Ocon as guiding the team as Fernando Alonso gets the gets used to the car. Well, that's been reversed because it's Alonso who's been getting the points and Esteban Ocon has really struggled over the last uh, four races. Next one, Sergio Perez. He had two penalties in Austria and was also driven off the track when he tried to pass Lando Norris early in the race. He did finish P6 after a fourth-place run in the Styrian Grand Prix the week before. Those are good results, but Red Bull will want something better this weekend given how strong Mercedes has been historically at Silverstone. However, remember, he had COVID issues last year for that doubleheader. He missed both races, so he hasn't run at Silverstone in a competitive Grand Prix since 2019. Uh, George Russell. Yeah, I bring him up all the time. Heartbreak in Austria. The Williams driver was so close to landing points before he was passed by Alonso. He did get into Q3, and that was pretty good for an accomplishment. I, I was really happy with that. With sprint qualifying and more of a power circuit for Silverstone, I don't think he can compete for points this weekend. I'm curious to see if I'm wrong, however. Russell has been really showing something lately in that car. All right, now let's get to sprint qualifying. This would be number one by a mile, but I wanted to separate it because I think it needs to be really analyzed and dissected because it's brand new and there's a lot of opinions about whether or not Formula One should be doing this at all. All right, so for the first time, sprint qualifying is going to take place to determine the running order of Sunday's Grand Prix. It's a 100-kilometer race. And it is going to be no mandatory pit stops. There'll be points awarded for the top three, and that will count towards the championship. Traditional qualifying now will take place on Friday, but that will determine the grid for the sprint race the next day. Teams can choose whatever tire they want for the sprint race, which will be an interesting strategically because those 17 laps on softs, they won't hold up. Will they hold up? They can go to the mediums, but is anyone going to start on the hards? I mean, this, this brings in a nice strategic element into play. This will also give backmarker teams a real chance to go for it for positioning during this. Maybe they try to move up four or five spots if they can. Of course, the reverse is true. You could start the sprint race eighth, but fall back in traffic, and then you can't find pace, and then you start in a worse spot for the Grand Prix. So this could get really interesting. Again, it could go both ways for drivers and teams. So the weekend is going to look like this, just to give you an idea. You're going to have Friday, you're going to start with free practice one. Then it's going to be the traditional qualifying to determine the sprint race grid. Now, if you're an individual that is going to be at work or you can't get access to watching on F1 TV or any other sort of streaming device, then this is kind of a problem because I like the traditional qualifying. I like it on Saturday mornings. I get up and I watch it here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live. But now it's going to be later and it's going to be on a work day and that becomes a little bit more difficult. But then Saturday, you can have another free practice session and then the sprint race for the Grand Prix grid on Sunday. Now, I understand why they did this. This becomes a complete weekend of action for fans. There's going to be something now in all three days. The thing that is holding me back, and I'm not trying to be a downer on this, and I'm not trying to be one of those older guys that goes, I was better back in my day. I'm all for change if change is right. The thing that's holding me back is I'm not sure that there's going to be much 
of a difference when we go from the starting grid for the sprint race to the starting grid on Sunday. I don't know how much of it is going to change. I could be wrong, but I don't know how much different. I mean, are we going to see a dramatic change? I mean, we're going to see guys move a couple places. That's not, that's not the argument. We're not going to see a Haas in the top 10. We're not going to see George Russell run in the top three. Yeah. Maybe we get Max Verstappen and he gets in an accident. He goes up there and maybe he has to finish 14th. That would that that's a possibility, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of action. I think there's going to be some caution for, for drivers to try to protect their position. I think you'll see guys try to go for it, but the risk of going for it, seeing a gap is going to be hard for them to go for. If they know that if I miss this, I could be 15th. And right now I'm running sixth. So I understand again, why they did this. I'm just not sure what the end result would be. And the other part is, I don't want to see one race divided into two parts. And that's what I'm afraid this is going to become. The Grand Prix should, should not be a continuation of a sprint race with, with some additional tire changes. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't want it to feel like we ran a hundred kilometers. We took this break. Now we're going to start the race, how we finished off the final, th those hundred kilometers. And now we get to make more pit stops. I don't want that. Also, and I, I, I have a real problem with this. I can live with the sprint race I, and, I, and I would love to be proven wrong, but I don't think I'm ever going to move away from this. I do not want to see points awarded for this thing. The driver's championship is too important for it to come down to these races that are only in place to determine a starting order. Winning the sprint race has a pretty good reward in and of itself. You get pole position. If Hamilton and Verstappen are separated by one or two points at the end of the season, are we going to be breaking down how they did in these two to three sprint races that they're going to be running this season? We could be. And I, it just doesn't sit well with me. I do not want a conversation to be, well, if uh, Verstappen went for it in the second sprint race of the season, he'd be champion. I, it just, it's an element I don't want added to the championship. At the, point. The, the world champion of Formula One is way too important. These are not Grand Prix. They're not races. They are they're sprint races for qualifying. They're not real races. Also, if a backmarker team can't move up during the Grand Prix, how will they do that in a sprint race? If Ferrari can't match Mercedes or Red Bull on race pace, how will they win the pole position? Now, Charles Leclerc has already two on the season. Is he ever going to get one during these sprint races? Now, granted, they're not using them every weekend, so I don't want you to give you the idea that this is the new way we're going to be doing things, but... I'm just pointing it out. If this is something that they enjoy and they add more and more to it, I think you're just going to see the top teams just continue to get pole position. You can steal one of these every now and then. Now on Friday, the winner of the traditional qualifying will get to start pole for the sprint race. And that might give them a good shot at pole for Sundays. But let's be honest, starting on pole, even if you don't have the car to hold that top spot for the full Grand Prix is a great accomplishment, but Red Bull and Mercedes is going to win the sprint race. That's just the way I see it. I just don't think a car, you, if you win pole position, if you're Charles Leclerc and you put the Ferrari on pole for the sprint race, you're not holding on to it for a hundred kilometers. You're just not. One other note, will teams really be willing to race hard for this? Now imagine suffering severe damage to your car in a sprint race with costs the way they are now racers race. I get that, but are the stakes really that high enough to go for a tight gap, especially if you're riding pretty good in a starting spot? Right. I mean, again, if you see a gap, you go for it. But if you were running the risk reward in your head and you say, man, that's a tight squeeze. If I make it, I'll move up one spot on the grid. But if I miss it, I'll fall way back and I'll suffer severe damage to the car. I'm supposed to go all out for the Grand Prix, but am I really going to go all out for this? Now I could be 
totally missing the mindset of drivers that they're always going to go for it all the time in every circumstance. I just pulling back a little bit. I'm wondering if that is actually going to be the case. If you're riding in a good spot and you're satisfied with that spot, are you really going to go for a gap? If you're not, then this is going to be boring. Now, look, I am going to give it an open mind here on this. They want to do something different and I get it. They want to make the weekend a lot more exciting. They want to make value for the three days. And that's a, that's an admirable goal to give fans that are going to be in attendance, something every single day. That's exciting, fun, traditional qualifying may not be for everybody. It is for me. It may not be for everybody. Now I hope it's exciting. I hope it's productive. I hope it's exactly what they're looking for. I hope we come back here to do the review of the Grand Prix and I'm I'm on a segment going, hey, you know what? That was bigger success than I thought it was. More fans are arriving to this sport every day. I see it a lot here in the United States. Maybe where you are, you're seeing it too. Drive to Survive has been a big influence on this. But when you bring in new fans, you do want to tweak some things to sort of keep the fans. Because it's one thing when people get all into something that's new. Hey, I saw Drive to Survive. I love Formula One. I want to get involved in it. I'm going to start watching Grand Prix. Will they watch Grand Prix six months later? Will they watch your product a year later? Are they hooked for life or are they just hooked at the moment? So I understand that you, you, you try to track them in and then you keep them in. So you change some things to make it happen. We've seen sports do this before. This is not a new concept. Sports change all the time. But not everybody watches free practice on Friday. And if you can add an event that day, that's good. I guess if it does not work, however, if this is clunky, if this doesn't feel right, I hope they're willing to make adjustments. I will tell you this. I'm all for this. If it will work, but please remove points, championship points from this. I don't care what you give these drivers but do not give them championship points for sprint qualifying races. I just don't think it's necessary. All right. It's time for track talk. Uh, where we go through the track that is going to be hosting this week's Grand Prix Silverstone, a track that has launched formula one in 1950. And like a lot of circuits, it has gone through changes over the years. Some of you like them. Some of you don't. I've heard from both sides. It is the home of British motor racing. And if I had to choose one track that I like kind of above the rest, it'll be this one. I love the different aspects of this circuit. There are three straights. There's the Wellington, there's the hangar and the newly named Hamilton straight. That's where the start finish line is located. 18 corners. Now the first one, it's Abbey. It's a flat out right-hander. And when you get to turn five, you'll head down the Wellington straights, first DRS zone into Brooklyn's. It's a tight left-hander at turn six. Now, turn nine is like one of my favorite corners. It's cops. It's a great corner. It's flat out to the right before they hit a really cool, tricky combination of maggots, Beckett's and chapel. So it's left, right, left, right, left, right. Then they head to the hangar straight. That's the second DRS zone. Stowe is at turn 15. That's to the right. Vale is a tight left-hander at turn 16. And then the final turn, the club corner will take you to the Hamilton straight and to the line. The current configuration has been in place since 2011. Max Verstappen has the race lap record at, with a 127.09. Lewis Hamilton has the qualifying record of 124.3. Pirelli bringing the harder tires to this race, the C1, the C2, the C3. And there are four previous winners to the British Grand Prix that are in this year's field. Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen. Max Verstappen won the 70th anniversary Grand Prix last year at racing at Silverstone, but it was not the British Grand Prix. It was part of a doubleheader. All right, prediction time. I think Mercedes bounces back here. 
Look, it's been a long drought for them to be on top of the podium. It's been a Red Bull domination. But I think Silverstone is like the secret ingredient that'll bring them back to the top of the podium. I think Red Bull is right behind them, and I don't think we leave the British Grand Prix with a feeling like, well, things are now completely different. It's a 32-point lead for Verstappen. I don't think it's going to be reduced by all that much when we're done with this Grand Prix. I do think Lando Norris is going to podium. I got a feeling. I just got a feeling that he's going to podium. I am really looking forward to this weekend. I got the British Grand Prix on Sunday. I got the final round of the British Open. So it's going to be a very, very UK feel in my house in Nashville coming up this weekend. Again, subscribe to the podcast if you like what we're doing. Give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it as we continue to grow this. We're only three months in, and it's gone way better than I thought. If you'd like to reach the show, you could do so at the Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line. If you have any questions, we'd love to answer it. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. And also, we have a Facebook page, so we'd love to hear from you there, too. Find us at the Overtake f1 podcast you can like our page and 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 be part of our conversation that that just got launched last week so we're still in the young part of that growth we'll have a review of the british grand prix coming up on monday of next week so be on the lookout for that all right enjoy the weekend everybody i am tony d and this is the overtake f1 podcast